Nelson spent 25 years on the PGA Tour and is a lifetime member of the PGA Tour and PGA of America. Now he provides his unique perspective as a golfer and network broadcaster. It's time to go On the Range with Jay Delson. On the Range is brought to you by 20 Minutes to Fitness. Good morning, St. Louis. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay, and um, welcome to the show. We formatted the show like a round of golf, um, and this is the On the Range segment. And, um, man, I'll tell you, something extremely tragic happened in the world of sports this past week with the um, helicopter crash out in Calabasas Park, California, and the death of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, Gianna. Um, there are another, the Altabellis um, died there with their with their daughter as well, the husband and wife. There were a mother, daughter, Sarah, and Peyton Chesser were also involved in this crash, along with uh, the Mamba Academy coach, Christina Mauser, and then again, the, uh, the pilot. And, um, you know, I, I think it's important we all love sports, man. I, I just uh, I've grown up with it my whole life, and I I follow it every day. And and um, I did not know Kobe Bryant personally at all. I uh, certainly have a tremendous amount of respect for what he did on on the basketball court and the way that he played. Well, it was just um, it was just inspiring. He um, he was one of the um, one of the people that you could look up to in the NBA that he brought it to both ends of the of the court every single night. But something is so much bigger here to me that I wanted to share with you guys. Um, I'm the, the, the father of four daughters, and when I think about the I, – I almost can't think about the last 30 seconds of this, this whole tragedy because five – NBA championships, scoring titles, MVPs, third uh, when he retired and, and on the all-time scoring list for the NBA. None of that matters. None of that matters at all. It's it's a the the human side of life. We look at some of these athletes and some of these politicians and business people, whomever in our lives, and we look at them as like they're almost you know, larger than life. They're not human. They're not um, like us, but it's really not true. I just think of being in that situation, having one of my daughters with me and knowing what's going to happen. And my my heart just breaks the, the, for not only Kobe, but for the Altabellis and the uh, Sarah Chester and any parent that's been in a situation like this, it's its just um, amazing. There's just nothing. Um, our humanness is <laughs> so important, I think, to remember at times like this because none of the NBA championships and all of the accolades mattered when that helicopter was going down. And it was Kobe being a dad to Gianna and trying to comfort her and I'm sure trying to make her feel like she was going to be okay. Um, boy, it's, um, 
That's just such an interesting story. Some of the background, I know that area really well. When when I was at UCLA, we used to play out at Calabasas um, every Thursdays, and it's a very hilly, uh, I don't want to say mountainous area because it's not like a like a Vail, Colorado, but it's just kind of, it's, it's very hilly. And, um, and I'm sure they were taking this helicopter over to the Mamba Sports Academy, which Kobe founded once he retired, um, just because the traffic getting over to Thousand Oaks was going to be bad. And I'm sure there was so much excitement for these young girls to go over and, and, uh, and play basketball and be with someone like Kobe and be in a helicopter and have it so cool. And, and the, the the remoteness of that area where this helicopter went down makes it, um, you know, almost kind of more intriguing because there's you're in a place like Southern California where there are people wall to wall people up and down every place you go and then, you know, you get over the side of this hill and it's just very wooded and very mountainous and um, uh, of course nobody survived this tragedy and it, it just uh, I know this is not necessarily a golf topic that we're talking about, but I think it's important um, for all of us sportsmen, for all of us people, to um, uh, to contemplate, you know, our families and our loved ones, and to you know remember what's really, really important. Um, so sorry for that little sidebar, but that's I think it was really important. It's really important to me. I hope uh, it didn't irritate you too much. Um, so what was going on? At the same time, in Southern California, probably uh, well, two, three hundred miles down the road, was the um, Farmers Insurance Open down at uh, Torrey Pines. And Tiger, who was a friend of Kobe's, who um, uh, looked up to him and, and admired him in many ways, as Kobe did to, to Tiger, was out playing his round. Started the day um, five strokes off the lead. Really, realistically, it would have had to have been some sort of super special day for Tiger to have won the tournament because he just had too many players between he and John Rahm, who had the lead. And I thought something interesting um, that we should talk about happened. Joe LaCava, who I'm trying to get on the show and hopefully will be on the show soon, um, is caddied for Tiger and been on uh, caddied on tour for Fred Couples and had some great bags on the PGA Tour. He found out about what happened to Kobe and his family sometime in the on the front nine. And it was really interesting that Joe chose not to tell Tiger while he was playing. And I obviously know why he's in this situation. There's not a whole hell of a lot he can do while he's out playing around the golf. And he's, um, you know, Got an outside chance of winning his 83rd tournament, setting the all-time record for a number of championships won on the PGA Tour. And um, so he decided not to tell him. And it was interesting because they're walking off the 18th green to go through kind of a, the various mazes underneath the the, um, the bleachers and uh, hospitality that they have there. And Joe says to Tiger, you know, tells Tiger about this tragedy, and Tiger kind of stops at his tracks and says, excuse me? And it was interesting when Tiger was interviewed by Amanda, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, Bolianis, I think it is, with CBS. He had only found out about the tragedy in some certain, you know, five minutes um, ahead of time. And some things were starting to make sense to him now because he kept hearing shouts in the gallery, do it for Mamba, do it in Mamba style, you know, 
the folks that were out in droves out in San Diego, where Tiger has won eight times, by the way, were really, really pulling for Tiger to do something special, while at the same time trying to encourage him by making the analogy to Kobe. And uh, I, th- I thought it was really, really interesting. Um, another interesting thing kind of happened on the, st- on the stretch in the back nine. John Rahm got off to a horrific start. Pro- I think in his own words said he probably couldn't have played the first six or eight holes of the front nine worse. And I think he was four over par and made a really classic comeback. And uh, 13 and f- made birdies, an eagle at 13, a birdie at 14. He did bogey 15 and then birdied 16, birdied 17 and birdied 18. And when he got, he tapped in, uh, he had about a 50-foot putt, one very similar to the putt that he holed in 2017 for his first PGA Tour victory. It was about a 50- or 60-footer from the back left edge of the 18th green down to that front left hole location. And um, he had a very, he miraculously hold that putt in 2017. He had a very nice putt this, uh, uh, this past weekend. It didn't go in. It went down to, I don't know, 10, 12 inches or so. So he had a routine tap in for birdie. When he tapped the ball in, he looked at his caddy and said, well, you know, at least we're going to have a playoff. And I think it kind of went more like this. He handed his putter to his caddy, and his caddy said, nice try. And John said, "No, well, at least we got a playoff. And he said, no, we don't have a playoff because Mark Leishman won the championship, birdied 18, so John needed to make eagle on 18 to tie and get into that playoff. And when questioned about it afterwards, Rom said, you know, it wouldn't have changed anything. I was trying to do the best I could. It's a 60-foot putt. It's a very, very treacherous putt down a hill towards water. And he said, I, you know, I, I did it the best I could, and it wouldn't have changed anything. But it's interesting, your, your level of awareness when you're out there playing. John Rom said he birdied 17. He made a nice, you know, beautiful shot in there to about, oh, four or five feet and, and made a downhill four or five footer, which on those seaside Poana greens are not easy because they are bumpy. And he said he didn't look at the leaderboard. And so many people wonder, did that cost him? Would he have played the 18th hole any differently? And, and I'm going to say, no, he wouldn't have at all. It was the odds of him making an eagle there are slim anyway. He had a very good second shot right over the flagstick, but still wound up with a Oh, some, somewhere around a 60-foot putt. So those are some of the things that are happening in the I – just, I just kind of wanted to – we don't recap things very often on my show here, but I, I wanted to, to go over that and, um, and give you my thoughts on that. I also want to tell you about the St. Louis Golf Expo that's coming next weekend, February 7th, 8th, and 9th um, at the St. Charles Convention Center. Come out and say hello. I'll be on the stage at 1.30 on Saturday, February 8th, uh, come on out and say hello. Let's talk about golf. I'm going to be doing um, a little exhibition on the short game. But uh, come on out, say hello, and uh, let's talk about golf. That's going to wrap up the On the Range segment. Come back. i got a great interview with Bob Rotella. We're going to do a leading edge segment on Kobe and a lot more. Quick note. We just got a call from our friend Joe Sheezer at USA Mortgage. He said the rates are still below 4%. And if you mention Golf with Jay Delsing, he'll give you a discount on your closing costs. Please call him today at 314-628-2015. I want to tell you about a strength training 
fitness program that helped me and that can help you. It's called 20 Minutes to Fitness. They have two locations, one in Clayton and one in Chesterfield. Every time you go to the gym with 20 Minutes to Fitness, you work with a professional trainer. They take you through specific machines and with specific exercises that are designed to help your golf game. We're talking about strength, flexibility, and those two components are huge to help you improve your game. Visit 20MinutesToFitness.com. Your first session is absolutely free. Get off the couch and get in shape. This is Dan McLaughlin, TV voice of the Cardinals. St. Louis is one of the best sports cities in the country. We also have a tremendous history of supporting professional golf. We're excited to bring professional golf back to St. Louis with the inaugural Ascension Charity Classic, September 28th through October 4th at beautiful Norwood Hills Country Club. Legends like Ernie Els, Fred Couples, Jim Furyk, Steve Stricker, and many more will be in St. Louis. For tickets and sponsorship information, head to ascensioncharityclassic.com. That's ascensioncharityclassic.com. I have the pleasure of sitting down with the executive director of the Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association, Kurt Rowe. Kurt, good morning. Morning, Jay, and welcome to the Metropolitan Minute. We're excited to bring you this segment on Golf with Jay Delsing each week to provide you an update of what's going on in the world of the Metropolitan Golf Association and amateur golf in the St. Louis region. We will give you updates on local events, USGA qualifying rounds, the World Handicap System, and all the services that we provide to clubs and golfers in the region. Please check us out on our website at www.metga.org, or we can also be reached at our phone number, 314-567-6242, which is 314-567-MAGA. Kurt, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you, and I know our listeners are going to love hearing about what's new around town and the amateur golf scene. Thanks, Jay. We're excited about this partnership over the next few weeks and to hopefully uh, educate and and get golf, more golfers interested in what we're doing and what the amateur golf scene is here in St. Louis. I'd like to thank Whitmore Country Club for sponsoring my show, Golf with Jay Delsing, on 101 ESPN. Whitmore has been a great partner as I enter my second year. If you are considering a great place for your family to hang out, you've got to go over to Whitmore Country Club. Go in the golf shop, see my friend Bummer. He'll tell you all you need to know about the kids' club, the golf, the tennis. Uh, They've got uh, swim teams and leagues. There's anything you and your family could want at Whitmore Country Club. Visit them at whitmoregolf.com. Grab your clubs. We're headed to the front line on golf with Jay Delsing. The Front Nine is brought to you by the Ascension Charity Golf Classic. Welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing, and we are headed to the Front Nine. I have an interview with the most prominent sports psychologist in the world of golf, Bob Rotelli. He happens to be a friend of mine. I have a chapter in one of his books, and uh, just a great guy. I hope you enjoy this interview. We met each other back in the middle 80s, and, you know, when I first started playing the tour and I, I didn't even know guys on tour had sports psychologists at the time. And, um, oh, man, we've had a lot of fun together. That's for sure. I think I remember you trying to was it skateboard or rollerblade with my daughter. Yeah, both. And I wasn't very good at either I, one I, of them. I must say you were very impressive. <laughs> I don't think I ever heard Casey laugh harder when I tried to get on that uh, skateboard. <laughs> I was like, Casey, was how do you hold on to this thing? And she's like, what? <laughs> yeah, that little girl now has eight children. 
Oh, my gosh, Doc. Congratulations. You have eight grandkids. Wow. Yeah, amazing. I know my old. I remember that. The other thing I remember is the day you and your dad and myself went into a batting cage. How much (laughs) fun was that? In his 70s. I think he was 70-something, and he put on a hitting exhibition in the batting cage that was amazing. I know, Doc. That's what we did in the uh, – we were down in San Antonio, and I had my dad with me, and we were sitting around. I'm like, Dad, let's go hit some baseballs. He's like, what? And you were like, yeah, Jim, this is going to be fun, and my dad just tore it up. Yeah, we thought the machine was pretty fast, and your dad thought it was pretty slow. (laughs) (laughs) all i know is i told him you've still got it jim oh my gosh that was so much fun so so doc let's just talk a little bit about your you're from rutland vermont and you were always into athletics and always an athlete weren't you i was still am and you still are and one of the things i want the folks to know is that you went to university of connecticut you got a doctorate at the university of connecticut but you founded the um, the sports psych department at UVA, 1976, I think. I did. You know, I, I went to Virginia originally uh, to teach a course in sports psychology and coach lacrosse at the university, which was a powerhouse program, still is. They won the national championship this last year. And after about three years, I, I was a defensive coordinator, and they asked me if I would start a master's and doctoral program and instead of coaching, would I work with all the athletic teams on mental training? And they gave me a tenure track position, and I left coaching and went into doing what I've spent my life doing. Well, and you guys won a national championship <laughs> in basketball, among other things. I know that yeah. uh, I can remember some of those stories. Yeah, those were great stories. Well, and this year was so special because here is a team, you know, that the previous year, we became the first team in history to lose as the number one seed in the first round to UMBC. And the team was just devastated. And believe me, we had a lot of meetings dealing with that. And Tony Bennett is just one of the most amazing coaches. And, you know, I would say he really put, you know, what you could call a team together. Um, a bunch of players that probably most of the world didn't think, you know, had that kind of talent. But he got him to believe in what he was doing, and it's incredible. He, he His defense was all based on his dad, Dick Bennett, uh, who coached for years and took Wisconsin to the Final Four. And I was amazed to hear recently that Texas Tech, who uh, Virginia beat in the championship game, uses the same defense that Tony uses. So both teams in the championship game were using a defense, you know, that Dick Bennett, Tony's dad, uh, put together. And then last week I'm watching Louisville play, who is number one in the country now, and they're using the pack line defense. So it's pretty amazing the influence that Dick and Tony Bennett have had on the game of basketball. And it's so amazing how when, you know, sometimes you feel as an athlete, Doc, that, you know, not a lot of people are paying attention. And, you're, you know, when something sticks, man, it gets spread all over the place, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, you know, it's it's funny, like defense and rebounding and free throw shooting. And if you remember, Virginia made three in a row. Kyle Guy made three in a row with four-tenths of a second left on the clock and down by two. And I don't think I've ever seen anybody make three in a row with no time left on the clock in a big game. Um, but anyways, I mean, the point to, to bring this back to golf is that 
rebounding and defense and free throw shooting is basically short game and wedge play and putting in the mind in golf. And, you know, I first heard it from Red Auerbach when I was a young kid. And the whole point is if you want to win in the nights when you shoot 30% from the floor, you have to play defense and rebound and make free throws. And in, in golf, it's basically having a great mind and having a great short game. And I keep telling people it's really hard to have a great mind if you don't have a great short game, and it's hard to have a great short game if you don't have a great mind because all anyone ever talks about is how far you hit it. And really, the, all the long hitters have great short games. It's amazing. And, you know, that's so to, much of what this game is about. It, it really is, Doc. The sexy part you know, of the game is it's massive drives, but I can remember just talking like, to you about the short game and how important it was. When you say sexy, are you talking about yourself? Well, naturally. Yeah, I, I thought so. I think that's how most of the world sees you. <laughs> they sure do. Doc, so <laughs> when, when I think about um, one of the most impressive things that I took away from you is to, to be nice to yourself, to simplify things, and, and to really have fun, especially my personality. If I'm not having fun, I don't have, I'm not going to be my best. And we had so much fun together. And consequently, I would have never had the successes I had without that. Well, you know, as you know, so much of what I talk about is begins with the idea that you just play the game a lot better when you're having fun. And every day you have a choice between having fun, getting the ball in the hole, or turning yourself into a serious uptight nerd. And it's really hard to play sports when you're feeling like a serious uptight nerd and you only do that if you're making the game really complicated. And there's a lot of nerds who are trying to make the game really complicated. And when they do it, they don't tell you that they hate playing golf anymore and they don't like the game anymore. And they really don't even play it anymore. Um, but they pretend that what they're telling you is the answer. And really it's what drives a lot of people out of the game. I mean, having fun and playing the game. And the other thing I'd say is when you're having fun, it's a lot easier to see shots and see targets and hit shots and let your body respond. And, you know, it's, it's so hard for people to understand that, you know, really a swing is something that happens in response to what you're picturing in your brain. And, you know, a lot of people are trying to make it work the other way where you got to make a swing to cause the ball to go a certain place. And they don't do that in any other sport they play. Um, so ultimately, when you get on the golf course, I mean, it's about hitting golf shots and playing shots and seeing targets and seeing ball flights or seeing trajectories and letting a swing happen that produces that. Just as if you were, you know, we're talking about your dad hitting a baseball. I mean, it's a lot like seeing the ball and hitting the ball or throwing a football. I always use the example I was a high school quarterback, and I said, you know, I never once asked anybody how did I know how far to lead four different receivers who had ran at different speeds, and yet you instinctively knew how to do it. Um, and you threw it from all different kinds of arm positions. Um, you know, you're in a great baseball town. Uh, to say, if you watch a shortstop, I mean, you'll see they intuitively know how hard the ball was hit how fast the guy is running the first base, how deep in the hole he catches the ball, how hard the ball was hit, 
and how hard to throw it and when to throw it to get it to the first baseman's glove a half a step before the guy hits the bag. And they've never thought about it. And, and so a lot of it is playing the game is letting go of all the other junk, you know, and just, you know, letting go of conscious control is really what letting go means. Well, and, and do you remember when we did something together for the, the PGA of Arizona and you asked, mm-hmm. we had about 50 pros in the room and you and I were talking and it was really a blast. And you said, everybody in the room here that could, uh, when they were, you know, 16 years old and could shoot right around par, raise their hand and every, every hand went up. And then you said, and then everybody that, um, that knows more about the golf swing now and more about the mechanics of the swing now than they did when they were 16, raised their hand, and everybody's hand went up. And you said, everybody raise their hand now that can still shoot around par, and there are no hands raised. And it just, yeah, and my next question was, then, why do you believe so much in all the information you've gathered? If it, it's made you play worse, and I think at some point I asked us, so are you charging people for this information? <laughs> and, you know, and we had, you know, we had a good talk about it, but I mean, I wasn't trying to attack anyone. I was just saying, you know, God, the idea is to help people play golf. If we want the game to grow and if we really like playing golf, and I I think that's a big, big issue for people is, you know, is the game growing and how's it going to grow if people aren't having fun playing it? And I mean, that's a lot of what it's all about is, is being able to go out there with your friends and enjoy playing. And yeah, I mean, you want to be able to play in competition and enjoy it, but it just, it's just the way it works. And I'm just trying to explain to people that, you know, this is how you play a game. And a lot of people tell me, I mean, I hear this a lot. Uh, they tell me, you know, doc, after listening for a while, you know, like I love golf. I love talking about golf. I love reading about golf. I love watching golf. I love practicing golf. I love taking lessons at golf. You know, the only time I don't love golf is when I'm actually playing it. <laughs> and you go, Oh, that's not a good thing. It would be like if my wife only loves me when I'm not near her, you know? Right. Right. And we know that's not the case. Darlene's one of the luckiest women in the world. You keep telling her that, right? Yeah. I keep telling her. She's not buying it. (laughs) So, Doc, you've had the ability. You've also crossed over in the other sports. I remember when you worked with a lot of MLB pitchers, and there's challenges in every sport like this. Well, I still do work with a lot of other sports. And, you know, I would say I actually crossed over into golf. I didn't cross over from golf into the other sports. I was a team sport athlete, and I would never have guessed I was going to be working in golf a long time ago. But I'm thrilled that I got to because uh, I've had a ball. But, I mean, it's really – it's about playing a game. And, you know, you, to play a game, you have to be intuitively and instinctively reacting to something. And a lot of people are so into how to do it that they don't even know where the target is. Doc, is there anything, any, uh, any such thing as muscle memory from what you've uh, learned? No, no. And that's why even the best golfers in the world miss all kinds of shots. And, and here's the problem is a TV camera only can film the golf swing or the putting stroke or the pitching motion they can't videotape what's going on inside a person's head. So they basically pretend that what's going on in your mind doesn't exist. And every time a guy misses, they show a replay of the swing, but they don't show you why the swing changed. I mean, think about how many balls you guys hit a day. 
um, you know, if, if the mind didn't matter, you know, people would hit a lot of great shots. I mean, but it, it does. And, you know, like I said, you know, people are going to invent machines eventually that'll be like riding a bike. You can just stand in this machine and hit pure shot after pure shot. But once you get on the golf course, if your head isn't in the right place, and the problem is it's just a little bit of doubt. You know, some people hear my stuff and they went, I mean, these guys are scared. No, they just have a little bit of doubt. A little bit of indecision changes your golf swing so dramatically or your putting stroke, and it's just a little bit. Doesn't take much. Well, I just think a little second guess, just a little doubt. Yeah, go ahead. I, no, Doc, I think one of the things, the coolest things you taught me was that you're either 100% committed or you're not. And even if it's that yes. little bit, it's it's a mental error. It's not a physical error. We don't work on our golf swing when that happens. We work on the mental side. Yeah, and you know, when someone says to me, well, I kind of trusted it, I said, well, then you didn't. <laughs> There's no kind of trust in it or almost trusted it. And, you know, it's like I tell people, don't even think about evaluating your golf swing or your putting stroke until you have your head in the right place. Well, that's going to wrap up the first part of the Bob Rotella interview, but come back for the rest of it on the back nine. This is Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company is proud to be an official sponsor of 101 ESPN's newest show, Golf with our friend Jay Delsing. Just like Jay, Urban Chestnut is born right here in St. Louis. With three local brewing and restaurant locations, you won't travel far to sample straight from the source. If you're heading out to the links this weekend or if you're just in the mood for a classic German-style beer, grab a four-pack of our fresh, refreshing Zwickel Bavarian Lager wherever craft beers are sold. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company, St. Louis, Missouri. Prost! Do you folks know about a third-generation jeweler that's been operating in the St. Louis area since 1946? Well, if you haven't heard the name Sutley before, you have now. They are the premier hearts-on-fire dealer in the metropolitan region and have been for more than 20 years. What's the hearts-on-fire diamond? It is the world's most perfectly cut stone. The Sutleys are knowledgeable and passionate about jewelry. They're open six days a week. They want to develop a relationship so that they can meet all of your jewelry needs. They have famous designers like Lagos, Zengani, and Simon G., just to name a few. Whether it's a hearts-on-fire diamond or any piece of jewelry, please visit the Sutley family. They're located at Lamp and Lantern Village on Clayton Road, just west of 141 in Town & Country. Or you can go see them at saettele.com. Now through Valentine's Day at Sutley Jewelers, get $100 off your purchase of $200 or more just by mentioning Golf with Jay Delsing. That's up to 50% off the sales price of a purchase of $200 or more. Everyone is looking for the extra edge, and Jay Delsing is digging deep to find it. It's the leading edge on Golf with Jay Delsing. I think it's really appropriate for my leading edge segment this week to be about Kobe Black Mamba Bryant. Um, Unfortunately, died much too early in the tragic helicopter crash in Calabasas, California. But one of the things that Kobe did was he created this alter ego for himself called the Black Mamba. He wanted to have an entirely different, almost assassin-like persona when he got on the basketball court. And um, he did. What amazed me about Kobe and what is so perfect for the leading edge segment is his mind and his desire to win 
to take the last shots are something that we just don't see that often in sports. What Kobe did, he was never afraid to fail. He would tell you all the time, um, "I want to take. I want to be. I want the ball in my hands. I want to be the uh, the guy taking that last shot. I want to do it because I'm gonna. I'm gonna succeed. I'm gonna pull my teammates with me, and we are gonna pull this thing out. And man, he got great at it. And it, what's uh, neat about having Bob Rotello on the show this week and having Kobe as a leading edge segment. It it was so much about the processes that Kobe went through mentally to get himself to that point. And you know what's neat about Kobe? Folks, don't, re- don't forget, youngest guy in the NBA. It's 17 years old. We not only got to watch him grow up as a as a teenager, but we watched watch him grow up as a, as a man and then a father. And the whole thing come full circle. 20 years in the NBA, Kobe Bryant is perfect for the leading edge segment. The 100,000-watt blowtorch for St. Louis sports. Driven by Auto Centers Nissan. Home of the 30-day return. WXOS and WXOS HD1. East St. Louis. 101 ESPN. The Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association is a proud sponsor of Golf with Jay Telsing. The MAGA has been the USGA Allied Golf Association in the St. Louis Central and Southern Illinois region since 1992. The MAGA provides over 30 days of competition opportunities and conducts qualifying for nine USGA championships while supporting more than 140 member clubs with amateur golf services. Find all of their information at metga.org or call 314-567-MAGA. We're halfway there. It's time for the Back Nine on Golf with Jay Delsing. The Back Nine is brought to you by St. Louis Bank. Welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing, and we are entering the Back Nine. But before we do, I want to tell you a little bit about Whitmore Country Club. They're our title sponsor here this year for Golf with Jay Delsing. There's 90 holes of golf over at Whitmore. Um, if you join Whitmore, you get access to the Lynx of Dardeen, the Missouri Bluffs, and the Golf Club of Winsville. All of the cart fees are included in that membership. There are no assessments at any time at Whitmore. You've got to come over and see my friend Bummer. He's in the golf shop. He's the assistant pro. He is a terrific guy who can answer all of your golf-related questions. Bill and Sales will help show you around the facility, and you'll see a a 24-hour fitness club, a huge pool complex. Uh, The golf shop runs skins games, uh, members' tournaments, wives' tournaments. There's junior golf, junior tennis, junior swim uh, for your kids, and there is a kids' club in the main clubhouse where you can drop, drop your children off. You can go have a cocktail. You can go have dinner. You can go play golf. The kids are well taken care of playing golf, playing golf with other kids, video games. You what, Whatever you need, whatever your family needs, you'll find it at Whitmore Country Club. Visit them at whitmoregolf.com. Okay, now let's go back and hear the remainder of the Bob Rotella interview. Doc, I feel like there are so many teachers that are trying to get these, their pupils to make this perfect swing and, 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 and not telling them this game is hard. You're going to hit some foul balls, go find a foul ball and shoot a number. Well, you know, what's so amazing about that is that if you watch the two best players for the last 20 years, let's just say it was Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. They're probably the two crookedest drivers of the golf ball. Now, Tiger addresses it by, he doesn't even, they keep writing articles about his golf swing, and most of the time he doesn't use his swing 
on a tee box. He hits a knockdown stinger, gets the ball in play, and then goes and kicks your butt. Phil, on the other hand, just hits driver everywhere. <laughs> and once he hits it in the woods, his whole attitude is all the birdies are in the trees. You know, <laughs> So, I mean, very different ways of dealing with it. But everyone else is trying to drive it straight as if those two guys are driving it straight. I'm like, why don't you just watch what the best players are doing? It's interesting, so it's isn't it, Doc? When when Tiger had this his some of his low points, it looked like he was taking away his artistry and trying to be a mechanic to me, and that is just no wrong. Yeah, and I think the media helped him by just continually saying, "Well, he's injured, he's hurt, he's tired." You know, and it's like he just he got lost in it. I remember walking the practice round at Valhalla PGA when he came back and. I mean, it was just unbelievable where he was hitting. I mean, it was he couldn't hit a wedge within 50 yards of the green. So, I mean, even the best can get lost trying to get better because I'm sure he was trying to get better. You know, there's a point where I'm Tiger Woods. How can nobody teach me how to drive the golf ball? And the point is, it's, it's you know, on the driving range, he's pretty darn good. And he looks beautiful on the range, but he's got some doubts in his head on the tee box with a driver. But, like you said, when he played his best golf, he became an artist and said, I just want to go get the ball in the hole, and I'm going to go kick your butt. You know, and he, pretty amazing, the career he's had. Oh, but, I mean, God. the problem is every magazine and TV show, they keep showing videos of his driver's swing as if that's why he's a great player. I mean, how good's Mickelson's attitude? Last year he did a cover story on Golf Digest and the cover read, why I'm driving it so great this year. I think he was like 170-something <laughs> driving. You know, but, but it's beautiful that that's how he feels about himself. You know, yeah. I'm not knocking it. I'm saying that's how good his mind is. That I mean, how many people driving it that crooked would go do an article about why I'm driving it so great? And now you got all these people trying to hit it, swing faster like him. And I said, well, he's getting more crooked. Well, you're sure that's what you want. But it's a beautiful world. It really is. Doc, I remember that quote from William James that you told me um, and to share that with us. And I think that is so valid in all walks. Of life, well, not what just was sport. it, Jay? You said something to the effect that we we get what we spend the most of our time thinking about in our lives. Yeah, we are what we think about ourselves and we become what we think about ourselves. Yeah. And God, I, now you're reminding me of doing an opening presentation when your sister opened up CK1. Yep, <laughs> yep. And you dropped an Eleanor Roosevelt quote on him that day. Yeah, remember, remember that? that. Yeah. Oh, uh, you had me falling no out of my chair. Make, no one can make me feel inferior but me. Yep. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, that was fantastic. That was today. Doc, what a cool um, uh, crossover now because I'm looking at some of your clients. Merrill Lynch has been a longtime client. Pepsi Cola, yeah. Coca Cola, Time Life, Ford, GE. Tell the listeners that you're telling them the same sort of thing about their attitudes and their minds. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is getting people to understand the idea that good is the enemy of great. And if you want to really be great at something, Man, you got to have a special attitude, and you know other people aren't going to understand you or appreciate you. If you want to be like everybody else and have everyone understand you and appreciate you, that's fine, but you're going to end up being like everybody else. 
And for most of the people I work with, at least with their career part of their life, you know, they're trying to separate themselves from the rest of the world. And, you know, so you got to do the things that other people could do, but choose not to do. Mm, that is, that is fantastic. I can remember doing, <laughs> do you remember doing that, that talk? And you asked me to come with you down in Scottsdale to, to the Merrill Lynch folks. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, sure. What are we doing? Did you go, oh, we're just going to talk to a few people. Well, I was up on the stage with what, 400 people or, or something with you. And I looked at you, I'm like, well. Let's just talk about what I know because I don't have anything else prepared. Yeah, and they loved it because you talked about your mindset. You talked about your attitude. You talked about, hey, this is hard to do. It's hard to get in a great state of mind every day. It's hard to get in a great mood every day. It's it's a challenge for most people to believe in themselves. You know, I mean, it's easy once you get to the top and everyone's telling you how wonderful you are, but the challenge is, can you believe in yourself before anybody else believes in you? And that's, you know, that's a lot of what we talked about. But, I mean, it's, I mean, and everyone can identify with it because, hey, this is what everyone's going through. Yeah, and we have this t- tendency, Doc, as humans, just to complicate stuff, don't we? Yeah, we sure do. But, you know, I always use the example, Harvey Penick, who developed so many great players, wrote the best-selling sports book in history, The Little Red Book. Um, sold even a lot more than my golf is not a game of perfect. That's impossible um, when you just, think about it. It was just a wonderful book. I mean, but it, but think about it. The best-selling sports book in history. Everyone bought it and told a friend to read it. And after they read it, they said, you know, it's a great book, but he didn't know anything about the golf swing. Because all he did was use analogies from other activities. And they missed the whole point. Harvey was brilliant because he kept it really simple and tried not to get very mechanical with people, but got them to hit the ball and got them to go get the ball in the hole. And that, that was a lot of the brilliance of Harvey. But most people, yeah, it was a good read, but, you know, he didn't know anything about the golf swing. No, he knew everything about it. He, but he wasn't about to go make people worse. And, you know, I, I've been to the Austin Country Club many times while he was alive with, with Tom Kite and, it's amazing how many scratch players they were at that club, and they all adored the man. You know, but yeah, that's not seemed to be what's going on today. They're trying to make it complicated. Yeah, sometimes, Doc, I feel like what I watch on the Golf Channel, what I read in the magazines, is not helping anybody. Well, you know, you're probably right. I don't know if it's it's probably helping somebody, but it's probably somebody who's already pretty darn talented. If you look at most of the great swing stories in the last 40 years of golf, um, you know, they're all people who were already junior phenoms. They already could score. Um, they had already won the U.S. Amateur. They had already won the European Champion. I mean, they're already great players, and now people like their golf swing, but they can always play golf. Yeah, it's, it's really that's true. ultimately what you got to be able to do. Doc, what would By you... By the way, speaking of that, last year I played in a tournament with Bob Toski, the great teacher, who I'd say was the king of simple. Yep. And he's 92 years old. And we played a really hard Ben Crenshaw course up in Cape Cod, Cape Cod called Old Sandwich, which is beautiful. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. And, I mean, he, play, he played so good at 92. He's driving the ball 230 yards, weighs 115 pounds. And, I mean, he got it in the hole. And he hadn't played a tournament in, like, 15 years. And it was just amazing how good he was. 
And it's just, and then at night at the dinner, he would get up and sing Sinatra songs for the crowd. Um, <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, it, it was pretty amazing watching a guy at 92 play golf the way he was playing and just have an absolute blast doing it. He's got one of the all-time great attitudes, doesn't he, Doc? Uh, I don't think you could be more in love with yourself when you're on stage than Bob Tosky. I mean, he just <laughs> loves playing golf. He loves singing. I mean, he loves dancing. He just loves people, and he believes in people. And, you know, I think that's what's made him so great. I mean, he believed in himself as a player and was player of the year and leading money winner and then became a teacher and, you know, I think had this unbelievable ability to believe in other people and see talent in them and bring it out of it. And that's really what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, it's like the first time I laid eyes on you. All I saw was talent. <laughs> Man, this is going to be fun working with a big-time stud like this. Oh, my gosh. That was so much fun. Uh, Doc, what would you say with all of the different sports, all of the different successes, is there one thing, the biggest, the coolest sports moment you have? Because I want to get, I want to ask you a question about golf moments after that, but I know you've seen a lot of great performances and been a part of that. Uh, you know, every time someone I'm working with wins a a tournament or a major or makes a big time breakthrough, you know, that's what I that's what I have a ball doing because I know the joy it brings them and how hard it is to get there. Um, you know, in other sports, I suppose when Kentucky and Virginia won national championships and I got a ring, it was pretty cool. Uh, it was, uh, you know, was, but there's, you know, I remember. Je- working with George Mason and Jim Laranaga. Uh, and they went to the final four and they became the first team in history to beat three number one seeds in succession. The only time it's ever been done in college basketball. Um, you know, that was pretty cool. They didn't have anybody probably in the top 120 ranked as players. And I think they beat Connecticut, Michigan state and uh, North Carolina or somebody, you know, in succession. It was pretty amazing. And so, I mean, you just have a lot of fun when people start believing in themselves and get out of their own way, so to speak. Right. And Doc, so the listeners need to know you're a, you're a really, really good player. Are you a, a, still a two handicap doc? Yeah. I mean, I, I've had a lot of fun. I, you know, I, I've played a lot of golf in the last bunch of years and I've, yeah, I, I've had my moments. I've won several city championships and club championships. I've, won the Virginia State Super Senior. Me and my partner, Paul Quigley, we won the National Senior senior last year, which was fun. I have the course record at my home course of 62, which is 10 under, which was fun. But, I mean, you know, when you hang around guys like you, you realize how <laughs> average you are as a golfer. I mean, it puts everything in perspective. I mean, people don't have an idea, really, of just how good tour players are. I mean, when you guys are playing at your home course, it's just ridiculous how good you are and how easy you make it look. You know, it's just, it's a whole nother level. Well, that's going to wrap up the back nine, but we've got more of this Bob Rotella interview. Come back for the 19th hole. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Doster, Olam, and Boyle, LLC are a proud sponsor of Golf with Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. The firm was started in January 2015 by Mike Doster, Jess Olam, and John Boyle, 
three veterans of the St. Louis real estate, banking, commercial, and corporate legal landscape. The firm was founded on the shared view that success should be measured by client and community satisfaction, not profits for partner. The firm's focus is on business, real estate, corporate, finance and restructuring, and succession planning. Since its founding in 2015, Doster, Olam, and Boyle have been involved in real estate, business, and corporate transactions with a combined value in excess of over $1 billion. For decades, Doster, Olam, and Boyle lawyers have been recognized as leaders in their practice areas by their peers. Doster, Olam, and Boyle, LLC. Extraordinary talent, ordinary people. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. I'd like to thank Whitmore Country Club for sponsoring my show, Golf with Jay Delsing, here on 101 ESPN. You can listen to the show on Sunday mornings from 830 to 930. We're going to talk about anything in the golf and sports world. We're going to have fantastic guests on the show. We are going to give you tell you stories about the PGA Tour, give you golf lessons, swing tips. We've got episodes of Whack and Chase where you can call on and tell us about any and all of your golf stories. If you're looking for a family-friendly, cool atmosphere to hang out, you've got to visit WhitmoreGolf.com. My friend Bummer is the assistant pro over in the golf shop. Please go in and say hi to him. He will answer any of your questions. Bill and Sales will help show you around the property. They'll show you the fabulous workout area, the swimming pool, tennis courts. They've got a kids' club where your kids can be dropped off, play with other children. You can go have a cocktail, have dinner, go play golf. WhitmoreGolf.com. This is Dan McLaughlin, TV voice of the Cardinals. St. Louis is one of the best sports cities in the country. We also have a tremendous history of supporting professional golf. We're excited to bring golf back to St. Louis with the inaugural Ascension Charity Classic, September 28th through October 4th at Norwood Hills Country Club. Don't miss your chance to see PGA Tour champion legends. Proceeds will benefit St. Louis area youth, including the Urban League, Mary Grove, the Boys and Girls Club, and more. For tickets and sponsorship information, head to ascensioncharityclassic.com. Are the words community, trust, and civic pride important to you? How important to you are those words when choosing who you'd like to do business with? If you're like me, then they're very important. Enter St. Louis Bank. These key words are part of the cornerstone on which St. Louis Bank was founded. This bank is locally owned, and these guys live in our community. Did you know there's a new group of leaders at St. Louis Bank? This new group has doubled down on their commitment to St. Louis, being more involved and getting to know any like-minded person that shares these same values. St. Louis Bank wants to build something big together. When it comes to trust and honesty, don't take my word for it. You'll have to see for yourself. Look for the new locations in Edwardsville opening March 2020 and one at Highway 40 in Hanley coming April of 2020. You can call them at 314-851-6200, reach them at stlouisbank.com, or stop by their current location on South Outer 40 in Town & Country. And remember, St. Louis Bank wants to move your business forward together. The Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association is a proud sponsor of Golf with Jay Telsing. The MAGA has been the USGA Allied Golf Association in the St. Louis Central and Southern Illinois region since 1992. The MAGA provides over 30 days of competition opportunities and conducts qualifying for nine USGA championships while supporting more than 140 member clubs with amateur golf services. Find all of their information at metga.org or call 314-567-MAGA. Let me tell you about a strength training program that helped me, and it can improve your golf game and overall fitness as well. And all it takes is 20 minutes once a week. 
20 Minutes to Fitness targets the muscle groups used in golf. Because you work with a trainer on physical therapy equipment, it also reduces the chance of exercise-related injuries to almost zero. But don't take my word for it. Try it yourself. Your first session is absolutely free. 20 Minutes to Fitness is in Clayton and Chesterfield. To learn more, visit 20MinutesToFitness.com. 20 Minutes to Fitness. It works for me. Grab your friends, a cold one, and pull up a chair. We're on to the 19th hole on golf with Jay Delsing. The 19th hole is brought to you by the Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association. Welcome back to Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay, and we are entering the 19th hole, and this is the Fine Drive with Jay segment brought to you by Dean Team Automotive. Um, a couple weeks back, we had Sean Dean on the show, on the Leading Edge segment, and we talked about the golf cart division that they have over on Manchester Road. And anyone that's interested in a customized golf cart has got to get over there and see these folks. They make and put this uh, and customize your cart together right on the premises. Um, and that goes a long way for knowing what you are getting and the value for what you're paying for those golf carts because oftentimes people will send in parts from old um, units and it just is not exactly what you're going to get when you go to Dean Team. Golf carts. If you're interested in an automobile, well, they've got everything you need. There's five dealerships. They're all on Manchester Road. They've got over a 1,000 used cars in their lot. I just bought a used Volkswagen from Colin and Brent um, over in the Kirkwood location, and they were terrific. You've got to go to Dean Team Automotive Sports. They've got Mercedes-Benz. They've got Bugattis. They've got Rolls-Royces. They've got a, a, a Spider 918 Porsche that costs over a million and a half dollars. So visit my friends at Dean Team Automotive, and they'll handle all of your car buying needs. All right, let's go to the conclusion of the Bob Rotella interview. Doc, did you have anyone or anything really surprise you like like anybody's performance or anybody's accomplishments did any of that surprise you because i know that you are like you said about toski you're a huge believer in the folks that you uh work with well i I would say yeah that's probably the biggest thing is how many people that you look at and all you see is talent and boy you see unlimited potential and they don't see it in themselves so, I mean, a lot of it is getting people to see in themselves what I see in them when I'm with them. And the problem is you go out in the big world out there and there's a lot of false experts who want to tell you what you can't do or what's wrong with your game or whatever and put doubt in your head. And I, I think most of the great ones have developed an unbelievable ability to absolutely resist socialization and not listen to people who don't totally believe in them. And, you know, it, it's, Probably that's probably one of the biggest mistakes you see human beings make is believing in false experts um, who just want to tell them what's wrong and what they can't do. And I mean, it's like you work with basketball players; they're six eleven and so good it's ridiculous. And sometimes they don't see what you're seeing, you know. And you got to be able to get them out of their own way and turn it loose. Like I've worked with Coach Calipari, the Kentucky coach, since he started at UMass, and you'd be amazed at people that you'd look at that are unbelievably gifted and talented. And I mean, certainly hardworking, but on game night, you know, it's a struggle. And a lot of it's belief, like in basketball, you'll see guys, as long as they're playing with the B team against the A team, they're unstoppable. 
you move them up into the A team and they'll never take a shot because they don't think they deserve to shoot. You know, it's uh, it, you know, you, you start seeing people's picture of themselves being exposed. It's, it's interesting, Doc. Remember when Shaquille O'Neal was having trouble at the free throw line and everybody was like telling him, <laughs> yeah. bend your knees, Shaq, and all this other crazy stuff. And we were watching a game together. And we're like, who is the guy that convinced Shaquille O'Neal he couldn't shoot a free throw? I don't know. <laughs> and it's interesting because in every other part of his life, he seems to have so much confidence and self-belief. It's amazing. Right. But, I mean, you know, I, I love Steph Curry and how he plays and how free he is, how much fun he has. And yet, if you read about him in high school, until his junior year in high school, the coach couldn't get him to shoot. Well, they worked it. They worked on that. They've worked that out, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, and you know, the, the high school coach said he finally got him to shoot by breaking it down and saying, okay, I want you to take four shots every quarter. If you'll take four shots per quarter, That'll be 16 a game. If you take 16 shots as good as you are, we'll win most games. And he said to Steph, that suddenly made sense. But he said Steph was very worried about being labeled a gunner and having the other guys in the team not like him. And when you're a good guy, you have to be able to get past that and not see it as a ball hog or a gunner and see it as like, this is what I'm good at. I need to use what I'm good at if we're going to help this team be successful. Yeah. And in teams, like you're talking about business, I mean, you, you don't want everybody to have the same skills. you got to have a team as a bunch of guys that have different skills and utilize what they've got. Doc, you know what's interesting on the PGA Tour? The caddies have become a much bigger part of this thing. And so I know that the modern-day players that you're working with, I'm sure you're talking a lot to the caddies as well. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you, here, here's an interesting thing that I keep bringing up. It's like, so like, Teachers, sports psychologists, we cannot do any coaching once the round starts. And what's happened in golf today is the caddies go to most of the lessons. They sit in on our sessions. They read our books and text, and they're out there coaching like crazy. I mean, there's some players out there who God knows if they could play if they didn't have the right caddy telling them everything. And I go, why is it that you allow caddies to tell them this much information and not coaches. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And as caddies have become more and more educated and are making more and more money, yeah, they're playing a very big role in the game. And, you know, it's kind of like now they've added these green reading books. It's like, I don't, you know, it's almost like they want to take green reading out as a skill. Um, I don't know what the solution is, but ugh, I don't like what it's doing. Yeah, I mean, I can remember watching Jordan Spieth. Even when he was really good, he and Michael Greller, they, I mean, Jordan's kind of jumpy by nature anyways. Man, Michael Greller had to go, you know, put himself in a dark room after some of those rounds, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and what's really impressive is when caddies and players stay together for a long time. And, you know, some players are really great and treat their caddies like best friends and buddies. And, and other guys, it's, you know, not that way. And, and they're hard on caddies. And it's very fascinating. But the bottom line is it's become a big part of the game of golf. And they're making a lot of money doing it and having a lot of fun probably. That's another show in the books. Um, thanks so much for joining us here today. Um, I hope you enjoyed the Bob Rotella interview and our little insights on Kobe. And we'll see you next week. 
Golf with Jay Delsing. Hit him straight, St. Louis. That was Golf with Jay Delsing, brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. Tune in next Sunday for more from Jay, John, and the other pros and experts from the golf world. In the meantime, you can find all of Jay's shows at 101ESPN.com as well as at jdelsinggolf.com.